Welcome to 2023. 2022 was a fabulous year for Sim Sundays. We grew a lot, and I'm very excited to continue this tradition on Sundays into the new year. Hopefully everyone had a great, great time, and, you know, I'm giving you all the best wishes so that when you have to write the date, you're not still writing 2022 for that long, because I know it takes me, like, probably three or four months. Today, we have our very first guest of the year. Well, I guess we'll call this season two or the 2023 season, I guess, would be even easier. We have Calvin Dent from Sim3D and Babram Esports or Brabham Esports. How are you doing, sir? I'm not bad. I, I like the butchering of Brabham on that first one. Oh, I, that was good. You know what's <laughs> funny is, is I've been putting the R in the wrong spot all day today. I'm like, no, it's, it's in the front. It's not after the B. And I still messed it up anyways. <laughs> it, it's, it happens all the time. Um, it's, there's kind of a joke around the iRacing community at the moment that it, it's either Barham or Brabham. We've got Barbam in the chat a, right yep. now. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so apparently there's like a million different ways to pronounce it. Well, um, but yeah, no, I'm good. I, I'm, you know, it's nice to be in 2023. Yeah, it, you know, right when you signed on, you kind of said 2023 and you're like, oh, that sounds weird. And it does. You know, every single time the year turns, the first, I don't know, the first month at least, you're like, wait, it, it's a new year now. What is going on? Why, is, why does it feel so weird? It's, it's very odd that it just makes you feel awkward, right? So, yeah, it, it's a weird one. Yeah. So sim racing. This year, I believe that sim racing has a big year ahead of it. I honestly do. Now. Tell us a little bit about what Sim 3... Let's start with Sim 3D. And tell us a little bit about what Sim 3D does for any of the viewers or listeners that don't necessarily know. So Sim 3D is, is my, my website. It's a small brand that I set up kind of by accident, to be quite honest. Um, I never kind of intended it to be what it is now. Um, it's kind of exploded into this thing that is a lot bigger than I originally anticipated it to be. Um, but it, it's the whole idea of Sim3D was to create some sim racing accessories that were more aimed at sort of the budget-friendly market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of really expensive accessories out there for your sim rig. I mean, a couple. <laughs> that Porsche, that, that Porsche dash um, made by Grin Engineer, which is incredible. Um, it's, it's like seven, $800 or something like that. Well, even if you're um, not looking at the, the like cosmetics, cause that's a little bit more cosmetic, but mm. like this, the Simicube pedals now where it's 2,500 yep. bucks for one. <laughs> that, that, that's pain. Um, yeah, I, I, I like, I heard a lot of people really interested in those pedals and very quickly lost interest. They saw the moment <clears> they saw the price. Well, um, it's one of those things where the price it, because, I don't know, I'm weird where I like my pedals to all match, right? So, like, I'd want all three only for the fact that they match. Not even necessarily for the fact of, like, the force feedback or anything like that. But as people were, were seeing the price of them, they're like, you know what? Maybe the brake pedal is the only one that matters. That's, that's the only one that we care about now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really – I actually had – so my most popular product, um, for those that don't know, is a pedal vibration kit um the pedal rumble mm -hmm. kit on my website and um it, it the aim is to give you sort of abs vibration and stuff like that I and mean, it's been hugely popular um so i've actually been to williams f1's esports lounge um stored a few kits there that was really cool that was a good day out um there's some pro drivers around the world that use them like real world pros 
Um, I'm not going to name any names because um, you know I'm not about you know flexing on no that name side. drops. Um, <laughs> but there there is some really cool pro drivers that that really like the stuff I make and have recommended it to other pro drivers. Um, so loads of V8 supercar drivers, for example, use my stuff. Nice. Which is, to me, is crazy. Um, you know, it, it's mental. Um, but it, it was the whole idea was to give you some force feedback, which is what the Simicube pedals aim to offer. And um, I actually had quite a few customers cancel their kits because they were going to buy the Simicube pedals. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 10 or so. And um, I think eight of them reordered um, shortly after the price came out. I mean, I, had, I, I tried the Simicube pedals at Expo this year. And I, taking the force feedback, like the actual like effect side out of it, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really like them. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, the, the technology is incredible. I think they're really, really cool. The problem I have with them is because it's obviously motor driven with a lead screw, you can feel the steps in the motor, which for me yeah. was, it, it felt very artificial. Um, it's like a, it's kind of hard to describe how it feels, but it, it felt very unnatural. Right. Um, okay. When to me, you want like a nice smooth pedal. I wonder if it's, so obviously I bet you at the next sim racing expo, wherever it happens to be, I bet, <laughs> I bet there's going to be a bunch of manufacturers that are like, oh, now we have our iteration of the force feedback pedal. Now everyone has their own version of this force feedback pedal at hopefully varying price points and maybe even like lower level stuff, maybe some club sport stuff from Fanatec and maybe a podium version from them just so that the the market widens a little bit. But um, I wonder if it's going to be like one of those things where the first time I had direct drive force feedback going from like a Logitech wheel it completely changed the game and how I, how I could drive because you just, you get much finer details, right? <clears throat> so I wonder if it's going to be one of those situations where after a while of using it, all of a sudden it becomes invaluable and you have to have it for your brakes or I don't think the gas would really matter. It's kind of a lever at that point, but you know, I, I wonder if you, you would train yourself to almost require it. So the pedal rumble kits, that's kind of what they were designed to do. And the amount of people I speak to on a, you know, almost daily basis now that say they can't live without them because it gives them so much more feedback than they were getting before. Um, a lot of it is ABS. You know, most, most people are racing on iRacing, mm-hmm. um, where unfortunately the ABS model is somewhat balked. And if you hit ABS, it kills your tires. It's a weird system, but you know it is what it is so you don't want to hit abs Mm -hmm. so having a vibration motor that vibrates the moment you hit abs that's quite quite a big benefit to some people especially people that have like tlcms or you know logitech pedals the way where like you don't have a lot of sort of strength to the pedal or a lot of depth to it Mm -hmm. um so it can really help out especially there but it will give you a lot of those false feedbacks. And on the throttle, you can you can map quite a few bits in. So I use, and most people use, like wheel, wheel slip. So the moment the rear end starts to break traction, you can feel it through the throttle, which yeah. means you can kind of control the back end with the throttle, which is quite a nice feeling. It makes it a lot easier. Um, so so a lot of people already just on my stuff are saying it's invaluable. Okay. So with what, what could come next, I, I think it will. I, I don't necessarily think... The, Simicube, the way that Simicube have done it is necessarily going to be the the kind of next big thing. I mean, I know, I think it's Simagic have been working on an almost identical design okay. to um, Simicube for quite a while. 
the only difference is the load cell placement on theirs is very different to what Simicube did. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be the next big thing, um, especially not from a competitive perspective. Yeah, I just don't think it's there. Um, I think the, the, the losses you get versus the gains, um, like for me, that the notches in the motor, the steps in the motor, when you feel that, it instantly kind of kills it for me. And I know I speak to a lot of people, they felt kind of similar. Well, because if there's um, like small notches, no matter how, no matter how much you want to use it like a, a lever, a smooth one, those notches are going to stop you at certain intervals, just naturally. To, that's how that works. So you're not going to get a smooth acceleration, or you might just be like right in between that spot where is the golden zone that you need in in a given moment. You know. Um, yeah, it's an odd feel. I, I, I yeah. I, I, I think out, there is going to be but... some stuff. I mean, it's it's semi-cute. Yeah. I mean, those guys have done... I mean, their wheelbases are legendary. Right, right. Know? If you ever talk about buying a decent DD, semi-cube is the first one that came out. I mean, I was surprised they released pedals. I thought they were going to release a competitor for like the CSL DD mm. and the new Mozart R9 um, and obviously the Logitech one, now the Frostmaster one. So I thought their their next big thing was going to be to make a budget-friendly semi-cube. Yeah. Because that, to me, would go down better than any of the other pedals even if they're slightly more expensive because it's simicube it's the name like, yeah it's the yeah. name definitely it's it's um, interesting because you got to wonder if in their in their product planning meeting they were like okay do we want to compete with the low end low end steering uh wheelbases or do we want to do something that's completely different and try to take that market obviously it seems like they tried to take that market now not sure if that's going to pan out for them or not because it is it is kind of I mean, you can get a whole setup for the price of one pedal. Like, if you were to go to Fanatec Club Sport stuff, you get a pretty good setup for under the price of one pedal. So you kind of got to wonder, like, what, what's yeah. their target market at that point? Because that, that jumps your rig price up by so much, so quickly. Um, well, you have got, I, I like to think there's two or three ty different types of sim racer. So you've got the competitive guys that are only interested in competitive esports and stuff like that. You know, I think those guys are really cool. Um, then you've got the immersion types that just want to jump in their rig half an hour a week, feel like they're Michael Schumacher. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that those pedals appeal to. Okay. Because they're the ones that are spending 50, 60 grand on ridiculous high-end motion and ludicrous everything and those people you know once you spend 50 60 grand six and a half grand a three pedal set really isn't that much money yeah you, you actually Whereas, don't mind at that point right exactly so i think those kind of people i i think that's where they're they're kind of aiming it at um because that that whole ability to switch um everything on the pedals through software mm -hmm. and have different profiles set up that tailors to that kind of market whereas i know from an esports perspective you're not really going to be changing around your brake feedback and stuff like that and your your throw and stuff like that. you're not going to change that between cars because then you've got a an almost alien like feeling when you change your pedals when you jump into a different car because it'll feel completely different and you want it to feel the same yeah you want consistency um, in your braking all the time exactly um so i think it appeals to that kind of market um i i, I don't think I, I think you know uh, the price they're going to sell them at. It's the only real people that can appeal to. Yeah, that and there makes sense. there are plenty of them out there. Um, there are a lot of people out there that just just want to jump in and feel like Michael Schumacher, which is cool. Uh, the weirdest one for me though 
the the other type that I've seen, um, other than the trucking types, I don't really <laughs> call them sim racers. Um, I, I speak to a few people, and there's a community of people that jump onto like a set of Corsa, pick like their favorite JDM supercar, you know, super Supras, Skylines, stuff like that, and just cruise around Tokyo. Just a bunch of them. Just like they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't race, but they just cruise around Tokyo. Just, just like just casual driving, almost like midnight yeah. club back in the day, but no, you haven't yeah. selected a race or whatever. Huh. Oh yeah, but they're not racing. They don't. They don't they're do just, like 180, 200 mile an hour on the freeways. So they they just cruise around Tokyo. You know what's weird is, for the longest time, like in Grand Theft Auto, I was always like, oh, I'm gonna play for a while and I'm gonna like obey the traffic laws and like really drive around <laughs> like a normal person and stuff like that. It lasted for you know ten minutes until you know randomly one AI car is like, oh, sideswipe, and then everything was out the window. Five stars fighting tanks. <laughs> you know how that goes. But yeah, there is something to be said about just experiencing the 3D world that is built for you and just kind of relaxing and having a, having a little bit of a cruise. So I never thought it would be so, like the first time I heard it and you know, I'm going to be honest in the person that messaged me, if you are watching this, I'm really sorry. <laughs> when, when they first told me about this, I thought they were really strange. Uh, and I, you know, to me, it's really weird. I don't get how that's fun, but kind of as I get a little bit older and a little bit more chilled, kind of get it i think i'd give it a go let's see i don't just... know i don't know if i'd cruise around tokyo but like those those uh modded tracks with that's like the beach run in california or something like that where it's just a nice long road and you just kind of cruise and check out the sunset they built and check out the mountain passes and stuff like that those are pretty fun i definitely enjoy the the casual drive every every once in a while yeah, I, I think, you know, I, yeah, there's something to it. I, I, I think what did it for me was, um, I think it was Spa 24. Um, I remember doing that once in VR. And um, we had had an okay race. I think we we finished like top 10. It was in a low split. This was a few years ago. And, um, and I, I never really focused that much on graphics. And obviously in VR, you know, you've got to make a lot of sacrifices graphically to get really Smooth well frame rate and So you yeah. don't get sick and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah and um and i remember it was like seven in the morning i'd been up and i've been driving for like four or five hours i was knackered i was half asleep not in a good state um and i, I remember the sunrise came up in sim and i remember just looking around just like this is incredible <laughs> I, I, and i've never felt like that before in sim racing and it's still to this day the only time i've got that feeling of just this is an incredible moment and and I imagine that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not necessarily searching for that adrenaline fueled first place or you know podium finish. They're just relaxing in their rig. You know, every once in a while, because you know you have the, the triple monitors with like the fourth one sometimes on the top. Some people have that, and I'll throw a movie up there and just like kind of not really push for lap times, but be in like a hot lap in ACC and just kind of learn the track and just like repetition gets me to memorization for like a track that's coming up in a race or something like that where you're not really pushing through it you're not really trying to find your breakpoints you're not really trying to find your apexes you're just trying to experience the track consistently and then throw a movie up or maybe some tunes or something like that and just kind of relax yeah i think there's a lot to go the, the lot to go for you know trying to relax or or not not take your mind off the race but kind yeah. of chill a bit yeah um, I, I can't race without listening to music now. Um, oh, okay. I, I almost have to listen to music. 
No, it varies. Most of the time it's rap music, and I don't listen to a lot of rap music normally, but in Sim, it works. Um, but just something to kind of take your head slightly away from the pressure and stress of wanting to win and everything like that, and it, it can just relax you. I, and I have got, so I actually got a fourth monitor, almost specifically to put on a movie or watch something that's not, maybe not sim racing related, yeah. just to kind of take my head out um a little bit when i'm racing i haven't done it yet um but i i, I am gonna watch a film i think i need to watch a new godzilla film oh there you really go watch that i uh um, <laughs> i watch it's kind of funny and kind of on the nose if you will quote unquote but i always watch things like ford v ferrari like car stuff for the most part while i'm driving i don't know why <laughs> no i get that that's a good film do you remember the uh do you remember there was that sim racer movie they were going to release i think yeah, it was in partnership with iRacing. yeah it's still, is it still uh, happening it is still happening yes there was talks about it um i don't know a ton about it but i do know that it is still planned on coming i've, I've seen a couple of posts on twitter about like oh it's it's getting closer and closer and closer but yeah i i am so curious what that movie is going to be because any sim raiser who's a content creator or a streamer or anything is probably going to look at this and go, why didn't they just hire us to make this? Like, <laughs> Have us make yeah. this movie. I know. I watched the trailer and I found it pretty cringy. Um, mm. I, I'm really, it, it kind of makes me feel awkward as a sim racer. Like, I, I just hope none of my real world friends watch that because from the trailer at least, Ah, it looks pretty rough. You know, Um, it's like when they make those those movies about like competitive gamers and like video gamers in general, where they portray them in the way that they believe that society wants to see them, rather than the way that they actually are. And I'm a little worried that the sim racer movie is going to kind of do one of those things. Yeah, I get that. I mean, the, the weird thing is, I know a few people that kind of. Are similar to what okay. I've seen from the Sim Racer movie. There's one or two. Um, I got a friend in New Zealand. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention his name, um, but I, I can see how it's fairly similar. You know, and I know there's a few people out there, including some pros, that are kind of hoping to get a real world seat off of sim racing. Yeah, and go into that world. And there has been a few already. I mean, um, Josh Rogers has done some real world stuff. Um, I mean, Tom from, uh, Tom from what my mind is just stopping all of a sudden, but he got to drive an F1 car just from being a sim racer for their esports team. Like that's how, (laughs) how does that, that, that's incredible. All of the stars align perfectly and he get he gets to drive an F3, F2 and an F1 car. It's insane. I, 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 I don't even get how you could get into an F1 car. Um, in terms of like driving it, like the, the I remember reading a, an article, and it might even be the same guy, about a guy who was really good in sim racing and jumped into I think it was a Formula Two car, and within sort of fifteen laps he threw up in the car because his body just couldn't handle the g forces that he was going through into each corner. That's an that's another um, interesting thing is because you know the the F one drivers they train nonstop to be able to deal with all of the g forces. Now he didn't go as fast as say one of the real f1 i say real f1 drivers that sounds weird but you know what i mean like the professional f1 drivers he he's not going through the corners nearly as fast or with as as many g's as they are but still 
they train constantly because that car is so powerful. It can just throw your body around like crazy. Like, yeah, I think it was Jensen Button who, who kind of said his, his favorite thing about not racing anymore was that he didn't have to run triathlons anymore and stuff like that. Because just the weight you have to keep off along with the muscle you have to build, mm-hmm. like it's insane that the stuff they have to go through. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, it always annoys me. You know, when you, you get people who are watching, it's like, I could drive a car better than that. Oh yeah. It's like, you couldn't even do a lap. Like the 99% of us couldn't even put a lap in an F1 car. We do the, oh. the classic thing that you see on Twitter where like a celebrity gets in an F1 car, stalls it immediately. Doesn't even move yeah. an inch, just boom, done. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And I imagine it's like that for a lot of race cars. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know. A lot of people really don't get, yeah, I mean, you speak to a lot of sim racers. I, I, I've been through doing Sim 3D and I guess partially with Bravo Esports. I, I've been quite fortunate that people come to me and ask me questions on my opinion on setup and pedals and wheels and stuff like that. Um, because I have got to try quite a few different ones. Sure. You know, I, I've got recently, I mean, Logitech sent me a free set of their new Logitech Pro pedals oh, okay. to create um, a rumble kit for, which was really cool. And, you know, I really like their pedals. They're really good. I have a 3D um, printer. I might need to start manufacturing, <laughs> making some stuff <laughs> so I get some free stuff. <laughs> so uh, I did not expect it. It kind of came out of the blue at Expo. I, I asked That's for cool. measurements and stuff, and, and they just turned around and said, what if we just send you a free set of pedals? So I was like, uh, Okay. Yeah. At that moment, you like pause because you're like, like, yes, yes, please. Here's my address. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. I, I didn't want to seem too keen. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it was a bit Trying to play it all cool. Um, Well, I'm really busy. I don't know. Well, let me have my people call your people. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it was a weird moment, but yeah, the pedals are really cool. Um, but I've got a lot of people ask me their, their opinions and, and the amount of time I speak to people about their pedals um and they've set them up to feel like their real car and it's like but you're driving a ford fiesta that's not made to feel or react or do anything a race car does right so they're they're like their weird comprehension is that everything should feel like their normal car and right. it's like, but with no disrespect your you know your your honda civic um isn't made to feel in any way like a race car you know they, they're they very very different and the amount of people that just think that that's how a car should feel on a, in a like race all car the time yeah yeah it's like you're driving an mpv like it's not going to feel <laughs> like a gt3 car well um, i guess very, very you could, it, it's almost like real life cars they've put so many systems in place and and software it's almost like driving with assists on in a video game or in a sim when you're when you're playing acc or whatever it may be right because the brakes have you ever tried to left foot brake in your actual car ever <laughs> so i uh i have half taught myself to left foot brake um i used to have a you guys don't get it in the states but it's a Renault megan um r26 okay which is a um, hatchback similar to like a Ford Focus. Sure. Um, it was pretty quick. I had it as like a track day car, so stripped out, stiffened up suspension, stiffened up everything. I, and I started trying to teach myself how to left foot brake. I remember the first time, first few times, it's just <laughs> bam. Like, <laughs> and you, it, there's just no control. You basically throw yourself into the <laughs> steering wheel the first time you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was a rough. 
Um, yeah, the first few times pretty hard. Um, but but that's the thing. People just don't they they don't sort of like think that there's there's that difference between the two in terms of the skill set. Not well, not just the skill sets, but the feel, the way the brake pedal reacts, mm-hmm. the way the throttle reacts. And unless I feel like unless you've been in one of these cars, you you can't really say too much. Um, you know, speaking to some some real world guys that have driven like GT3s and stuff like that, they you know they the conversation between what we do in a rig and what they do in race cars is you know they they, they feel very different. Right, um, right. You know, like most people don't have their load cells set that strong, but. You know, in a real world GT3 car, you say coming into turn one at Spa, for example, you're standing on the brakes. Right. When was the last time you stood on the brakes in your normal road going car? Literally never. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you chill out, you take it easy. You know, you're driving around town, you touch the brake and it slows down. It's nice and easy. We're in a real race car, you're standing on the brake, you're using all your force to get that car slowed down and you know it's trying to explain to people the differences between you know your mpv and a lmp2 car for example it's massively different yeah and that's before we even look at rally cars because those things are just weird people who drive rally cars in real life are oh, something else <clears throat> i've been on because the dakar rally is happening right now and i've been on a kick watching all the wrc stuff from last season and and obviously i play the games as well and the fact that these guys are just so brave going flat out and there's a cliff that is, you know, if they just nudge the wheel the wrong way, yeah. just a little bit, they're just, see ya, dead. <laughs> like, flying off it's, the course. I don't understand how you can keep control of a car that's out of control mm-hmm. at those speeds. Because, like, the, the cars just are all over the place. It, it's mental that you can comprehend fast enough. Like, like I get that F1 is... You can't think fast enough to to think what you've got to do next. And F1, they're going really fast. But rally car, you're doing that while also on zero grip on the side of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. And the only thing you've got to tell you where you're going is a guy stood next to you. With a notebook. With a notebook. (laughs) (laughs) And they can comprehend everything. And to be able to think fast enough... And to be able to react fast enough, that's insane. It's... Uh, and I guess, you know, you could say the same about the guys who do it in like Dirt Rally and obviously Richard Burns. Like the guys that can drive that at like a professional level, that's, it's bonkers. It's impressive. Um, it's, I get into YouTube rabbit holes all the time of pulling up like professional rally driver in Dirt 2.0. And then I quickly get depressed at, the speed at which I drive any of these <laughs> rallies at all, because they are just yeah. floating through it like it, like nothing, no problem at all. Like, yeah. and their hands are all over the steering wheel. Hands are handbrake and 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 sequential shifter, just perfect every time. I'm like, how do they, how do they do that? How? Yeah, it's it's mental. I mean, the one thing I kind of I think about rally is in sim racing everything's about road racing mm-hmm. i mean obviously you've got some of the american guys are into the oval stuff on i racing no longer indycar because yeah you know, we'll see how that pans that out kind huh? of, yeah that, that got killed a lot of people are upset but um you know rally is kind of not really it's not that visible compared mm-hmm. to to the other like road racing and oval racing and stuff like that and, and to me it's kind of a surprise because 
Dirt Rally is a really accessible game in terms of you can get it on any console, you can get it on PC and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the goat is is always going to be Richard Burns, and it's still got a huge community. But but it just doesn't. Rally racing just doesn't tend to get the same love that road racing is, and I kind of wonder why. Yeah, I um, wonder why because too. I feel like it should get a lot more respect. Yeah, if because if you look at like Twitch and and you check out all the games, iRacing is always at the top. You know, you have ACC. AC is up there sometimes, but it seems to only be when leagues are running stuff. If it's if there's no league action, like the last couple of days, it's been really dead. And then Gran Turismo, of course, because well, that's the major PlayStation game. Yeah. And uh, right now we don't really have a Forza that anyone's playing, so those are kind of middle of the road at the moment. But yeah, iRacing, everything's GT3 that you watch. You pull it pull it up, and like, you have your pickings of GT3. But if you want something unique, you're kind of out of luck unless you find that little niche community somewhere. Yeah, it is very much, it is all GT3 at the moment, Irising. I mean, you've got a few people that are really pushing prototypes, um, like the big ones, obviously, Alex Spets um, mm-hmm. on Irising. Williams Esports Driver, absolutely insane guy. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think his streams are always the most incredible to watch compared to some of the other guys that are a lot more exciting and chat a lot of crap on stream and just get silly like pablo um but his driving is incredible um you know and he gets a lot of viewers because of how good he is um but i just i don't really see much in the way of rally which is yeah it's a shame i mean speaking about forza though so i actually got started sim racing on forza 7 did you um yeah which is whenever i tell people that it's i'm looked at with disgust that I dare to call Forza Seven a sim racing oh, game. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. I, I get. I used to get mocked a lot for that. Um, so I, I don't really talk about it that much. It's kind of a weird one. People really look down on Forza Seven a lot. I feel like Forza um, kind of gets a bad rap, unless it's Horizon. Horizon is kind of accepted as like, well, it's an open world like arcade racer, not really sim, if yeah. you will, but. I mean, Horizon, you get a lot of cool video shots you see on Facebook and stuff. That's People very true. recording themselves, doing mad drifts in some crazy car that they made two of and, you know, they're drifting it across a mountain and stuff like that. So, so it's cool content. It's exciting. Whereas Forza 7, it, it, I mean, Forza 7 when it released was kind of a disappointing sim compared to the other ones. I mean, everyone says Forza 4 was, was the greatest one. Um, you know, it, it's an arcade racer, but, it, but it's kind of trying to be Gran Turismo, but it didn't really work and it was kind of a bit rough. Um I enjoyed it though. I, I, I was part of a really cool community. I get to do some endurance races, which is weird because they do like hour long races and they split them into chunks. Okay. To do endurance races on Forza, which is a really weird thing to do. Um <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. It was good fun. You know, there's a lot of problems with it, but it but it was a laugh. I, I really enjoyed it. Um it's you know i'm hoping the next one will be good i probably won't play it but um i i you know i I hope it's decent because i I actually think forza 7 was a really easy way for me to get into sim racing yeah um you know and you know you talk to people all the time that i don't want to try racing because i don't think i'm good enough to jump into racing and it's like I mean, I was quite lucky, I guess, because I jumped into a more arcadey and just more silly, silly simcade, I guess you'd call it. Um, so I kind of got just used to just prattling around in cars and stuff. So when it came to irising, it didn't matter so much. Right. Whereas you speak to some people that are just almost scared to get into a proper sim title because it's 
they're not good enough to jump into a proper sim. You know, that's um, an interesting point because recently, um, by recently, I mean yesterday, <clears throat> I put my wife in the sim rig and she started trying to drive around because we were like, well, maybe, maybe we can get you into some sim racing just for some fun and, you know, have a couple nights where we race against each other and stuff. So I, that experience almost makes me think that it's more important to bring someone in, in a game like Forza Motorsport 7 or Gran Turismo, something a little bit more on the arcadey side. Because I threw her into AC and then ACC and then, of course, rally just for fun because I wanted to see her flip cars. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's almost to the point where sim racing is intimidating because you can't drive like you would inherently drive your car, right? So if you put someone into something like maybe even a need for speed that's a little bit more forgiving on making mistakes, that's going to boost the fun factor enough to give you confidence. And then when you start to gain confidence and start to be, be comfortable with the idea of breakpoints, apexes, all that stuff, then you can kind of graduate into a more serious sim. But right off the bat, I put her in a Mazda at Laguna and just kind of let her go. And the very first corner, I never say anything when I put someone in a sim rig because they get in a race car and they plant their foot like they should, but it never comes up. <laughs> Going yeah. into a corner, they're just like barreling into it. And I'm like, there's a, there goes the break point. Okay, let's see what this uh -uh. does. And they always end up flying into the wall at the back edge of, of whatever corner it may be. But it's yeah. it's very intimidating because you know most people's only experience with a sim is like Mario Kart and that and that's not even a sim like a, a a driving game right most people play Mario Kart and you don't yeah. ever have to lift off the the accelerator button you just go and turn and you're okay yeah you press the drift button go sideways kind of fly through the corner and off you go yeah I get that I mean the, the one for me is whenever I put someone in my sim it's the brake they they never press the brake very hard yeah the, like, you see the meter and it's sim, like just this yeah. little teeny sliver you're like press the brake like press so you're it. trying to trail brake into a very very tight corner that it's and you're doing 200 mile an hour right now you, you you're gonna die yeah like it's that is not gonna um, stop the car even a little bit <laughs> but that again to me kind of goes back to that they're used to their ford fiesta their mpv or their, their you know honda accord mm -hmm. where they're just not used to that feeling of standing on the brake and applying full pressure yeah uh, and i actually have um, you know, on mine for, for racing to kind of help me out. I have the, the graph on my screen so I can see how much I'm applying brake and throttle and supply. And um, I, I show them, this is how much brake you're actually applying. And they go, crap, I didn't think I could brake that hard. Yeah. I, and it's almost surprising to them. And I, I don't know if that's like that real world thing that we we're talking about, or if it's to them, sim racing is still a toy. So they don't like, I don't want to break it. Yeah. Like, maybe. I, I guess maybe there's some of that to it. There is some pedals where if you stand on them hard enough, I don't know if you've seen the TLCMs snapped in half where yeah. the chassis break. Um, but most pedals, you can stand on pretty hard and they'll take it pretty easy. But most people just, I, I don't know whether it's they don't seem to be think they can do it without breaking it or or it's just they think it's more like their real car. Yeah, I, it's uh, got to be the real car aspect of it. Because, you know, in a real car, once you feel the tension, you're pretty much already where you need to be. If yeah. you go beyond that, then you're skidding tire, hitting ABS. It's not going well for you anymore. Whereas in sim racing, it's quite the opposite. If you don't feel anything, you're not even braking. You're just playing with the pedal a little bit. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, normally most people would, that that's the one, but yeah, I do think your point on like Forza and Need for Speed and stuff like that as like an introduction into sim racing, I I think it's a bad idea, and I do think there's like I'm gonna be maybe controversial opinion. I do think in sim racing, and I, and I'm talking here, you know, not like the sim K titles, like the pure sim stuff, like i racing, ACC, AC, R Factor. Um, I do think there's a bit of snobbery. And that that we kind of look down on the Gran Turismo players, kind of look down on on the Forza players and stuff like that as kind of a, a it, you're not really a sim racer. Yeah, yeah. And so, unfortunately, I have to agree with you on that one. I feel like there is a little bit of a a tier in sim racing games where people will not feel like you're like you say you're not a sim racer at that point. Um, it's interesting because I even mentioned at one point I think it was. I think it was the last episode where I said that Forza Horizon was my guilty pleasure game. And our guest pointed out, no, it's not really a guilty pleasure. Like, it's just fun. There's there's nothing wrong with sitting in your sim rig and just enjoying your time in there instead of being ultra competitive all the time. Like, I guess we get to the point where in sim racing, are we trying to be too competitive too often in these games that are ultra realistic and and i i put air quotes in ultra realistic because like for me i've never driven a rally car in my life ever never even driven a car on dirt at speed to even be like oh look at me i'm rallying now none of that right but i sit there and i go okay wrc generations versus dirt rally 2 which one do i feel is more realistic how do i know Yeah, it's it's a strange one. I get that. It's I guess you know that the, there is a. I don't understand it. I guess you know maybe in a way when you're spending like ten, fifteen grand on a rig, mm. you want to think it's super realistic and that you're doing serious stuff. This is it's <laughs> not a game. This is serious business. We're is... we're doing. Yeah, you, you know, know I, I am a professional sim racer, I, and when you call people that play like fours or seven with a controller. A sim racer, like, you know, does it offend that that kind of belief that you've spent all this money on a rig and that you get the same enjoyment with an Xbox and Forza and a half decent screen? I mean, I played um, I played most racing games with a controller for a very long time. Um, even when I had my like G twenty five, G twenty seven, I'd still play a lot of games on a controller just because sitting in a recliner, hanging out by a TV is sometimes better let's be honest yeah i there are still some games i find more fun on a controller like um wreckfest for example mm. i find that a lot more fun to play on a controller than i do on a steering wheel yeah. that's a great game like that it's like it's not realistic at all but it's an incredible game i, I it's an awesome game um but uh, it, for me it's more fun on a controller yeah um uh, so i don't i don't really get where this whole snobbery thing comes from in sim racing I mean, I mean, I have had it a few times. And I've seen a few people get snobby about hardware, which is the weirdest one for me. Like, mm-hmm. I have seen a few people kind of get laughed at, but kind of their opinions are downtrodden because they have lower end hardware. Interesting. Um, I I know I don't get. I don't know. I don't get where that comes from. It's um, like I, I post your post your wheel. In your in your forum signature before you comment, so that we can know if you're serious or not. <laughs> I, it it kind of seems like that sometimes. I mean, thing wrong. Ninety nine percent of people are sound. 
Um, and it's very rare that you do get people that are super snobby about hardware. But there are a few people out there that get snobby even over stuff like hardware. Oh, yeah. Which is weird. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, we're in sim racing. So if I see someone posting their, their opinions and their thoughts and recommendations and they have like 300 I rating, I hate to be rude, but... I, I guess I kind of listen to their opinion a little bit less. Maybe that's wrong. Well, it's interesting because <clears throat> iRating rating is a weird one for me because it doesn't necessarily equate to skill versus time in game. It's almost like your, your Halo or Call of Duty level where like if you play long enough, eventually it'll go up, right? Now, of course, there's, there are skills there and there's a lot more to iRating than just simply putting time in the seat. But you know, naturally, if you're trying to be good at something, I feel like you would, you kind of have to get good at it if you're trying hard enough at some point, right? So maybe um, I rating, maybe maybe a little bit of it there when you're looking at it and and you see someone with a, a mid level rating, you expect their opinion to be mid mid level. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily a terrible thing, um, with the exception of those people who just started I racing and they've been let's say racing for years in something else that does make it a little bit different. Um, yeah i think i rating is a funny one um i i definitely think once you get to a certain point in terms of skill level i i definitely think then it is more about time in the amount of races you're doing and stuff like that and how mm -hmm. clean you are i mean the amount of people i talk to you know and i'm just just taking the bradham esports guys for example their skill would allow them to be significantly higher rating than they are the problem is their racecraft or, oh. or their race IQ, for example, will hold them back and they'll occasionally get into a silly crash that will pull their I rating back. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I rating, there's so many things that come into it. Like, the amount of people I talk to that are like, oh, I'm getting into I racing, but I keep getting into these crashes. So, my I rating is only like 1.3k. And, you know, I know I'm always fast enough to win. It's like, if you're crashing in every race, is it the other drivers? Or is it you? Yeah, yeah. Because if it happens once or twice, then fair enough. <laughs> but if you're crashing in six out of ten races, you've got to have a look at that as more a you thing than, than a them thing. Um, unless you're in, like, bottom split, bottom split, because anything goes in those places. Yeah, it's, it's like, the Wild West a, in there. Yeah, it's a dark place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got a second account on iRacing, and I, like my plan was originally, I never did it, was to just get my iRacing as low as possible because I see. wanted to experience bottom split. I, I wanted to go there. Um, I wanted to go into that den. Um, the just, just the to dark see web of sim racing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, it is. It, it's crazy. But but the, the, so iRacing, is, it is a funny one, but I feel like if you're generally like 500 600 i rating you're struggling on the basics there um and there's there's a lot of things you can do i mean i spoke to one guy the other day on facebook um he he had a set of hustingveld sprints and he was saying that his thrustmaster tlcm pedals felt exactly the same as his sprints which is mental like that's right. a, a crazy comment they did like completely different pedals and um and he said he's got his the softest elastomer, and he's got the load cell set at thirty kilos. Oh, well, because he thought he should feel like his TLCMs. Well, if you set beautiful pedals up to be like the base, uh, yeah, that yeah. that doesn't make sense. But but he, like I said to him, I was like, you know, with all due respect, you've got your pedal set up wrong. 
is probably where you're struggling. Mm-hmm. And I said, try this, try staging this up. So, so we, we discussed like a couple of different ways of doing things and you know, try stiffing up a little bit to where you can get to. I mean, I have problems with my legs, so I have, I have hit problems. Um, it's why I got into sim racing was because I, I couldn't do a lot of real world stuff. I used okay. to be into a lot of martial arts and stuff. So I got into sim racing as kind of a way of keeping busy. And um, so even with problems with my legs, I could max out a set of sprints pretty, pretty comfortably. Um, so, you know, pretty much anyone should be able to, to do it unless you have some real big problems. Right. You should be able to press pretty hard on a set of sprints with a high low tail setting. And um, so I said, you know, just put some stronger elastomers in, put the load cell up and play around. And he came back to me like the next day and was like, I've increased my time no end. So much faster now. Right. Like just by making this little change. Um, and again, you know, he's obviously started gaining I rating. I'm, I'm assuming he was on I racing. Um, yeah, most people are these days. But he found loads of time just by making that small adjustment he may have been 300, 500 I rating. That might give him the massive push to gain a load of I rating. And I, yeah. I've had people with a rumble kit, for example, that have been around a thousand I rating, which is, you know, it's fairly low. It's, you know, you're racing into the lowest blitz, but fair enough. Um, and the rumble kit has allowed them to get to two and a half, three thousand I rating mm-hmm. because they're learning how many mistakes they're making at a basic level. Like they're well over breaking in a GT3, for example, they're smashing ABS. So they come into the next corner, their tires and just everything's cooked. Yeah. Um, and, and just the basics of just understanding of, oh my God, I'm doing so many things wrong. This is telling me what I'm doing wrong. And, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to say my rumble kits cure all issues. Please don't buy it if you're a thousand iron and think it will get you three cakes. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Set it here. It'll increase your yeah. I rating. Guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> so I, i'm not saying that and you know i'm not saying that buying my rumble kit is like the the definite the 100 percent thing to do because I, I don't believe in just trying to over advertise stuff um or over flex i guess but just making those simple changes to yours to your setup can be a big thing and maybe again that relates back to the real world thing of people overly set things to feel like their real world car mm-hmm. Because you've got to imagine that like softest load cell set, like 30 kilo load cell setting and the softest elastomer on a set of sprints, it's probably going to feel like a fairly cheap, you know, Vauxhall Corsa or something like that. It's going to feel fairly similar to like a real world car. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's the I rating thing's a weird one. Um, I think there's so many things that come into it. You are right. I think you, you hit on something interesting though. So I know you were talking about your rumble kit and stuff like that, but... It's more knowledge. It's knowing what you're doing wrong so you can fix that. And a lot of people, like, they'll just, they'll go into something thinking that they're doing everything right, not knowing all the mistakes they're making. So, you know, hardware can help sometimes. A simple uh, sim hub display so that you can see when things are activating, where a light will turn on because you're hitting ABS or, you know, you see the meter of your brakes. Like you said, you run with the the meter on your screen all the time. Simple things can make you just that much better of a racer. And then obviously there's racecraft and there's a bunch of other, like the laundry list of things to know in sim racing actually opens up quite a bit once you get past like the arcade style driving games. Because in the arcade style driving games, none of this stuff matters. Like, yeah, you can get a little bit of time increase by hitting apexes and stuff like that. But realistically, 
you can just go flat out for most of the time and then you'll get the top spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like how Forza 7, for example, if you turn ABS off, the car will lock up at 80% brake pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless how fast you're going, what car you're in, 80%. That's, that's just like the hard limit. Yeah. So, so you literally, I had a mobile phone set up um, with a um, set up to the telemetry and I had it set up to the brake pressure and I would set it so that it went red as soon as I got to like above 75%. So yeah. I knew when I was threshold breaking. Yep. Um, I do, do you think there's, there's maybe an education issue? Like then this is something I, I come up against. When I was at Expo, I got chatting to one of the guys from BMW um, about sim racing stuff. And, and we were talking a lot about education and sim racing and that there seems to be a lot of, not a lot of, a, a lot of incorrect information, not necessarily incorrect, but bad advice mm-hmm. coming from a lot of places. Like one thing I see a lot and I hear a lot is people that say they want a really long throw brake pedal that's quite soft because then they can trail brake easier because you've got more like travel so you can. Yeah, but that's not how muscle memory like works, unfortunately. No, it's it's way the, easier pressure to memorize pressures than it is distances. But it's something that comes up quite a lot. Hmm. But where does that come from? It, you know, and there, to me, there seems to be a lack of education out there for for people to understand exactly how to set it up. I mean, you, you see a lot of videos where they're like, oh, you want your brake pedal nice and stiff. Why do you want it nice and stiff? Yeah, like give me I, the I, reasoning this... why. Explain explain the purpose of that instead of just saying, oh, this is just what you want. Just Because actually, you know, it, it might be an education issue because of the way that YouTube has kind of evolved over time because um, – if you search for, we'll just take setups, for instance, because I've been struggling learning setups recently. <clears throat> I've always been terrible at figuring out how to set up my car for my driving style, whatever it may be, right? And when you go on there, there's a million videos, just an infinite number of videos to watch on how to set up a car, whether it's an ACC, AC, Dirt Rally, doesn't matter the game, there's videos until your eyes bleed, right? But none of these are really confirmed to be the right way. So you can watch three different videos and get three completely different methods and and tips on how to do it. There's one video that says, oh, just in this game, always set it to this, always set it to that. Doesn't matter who you are. There's another one that's like, well, if if you're this style of racer, you got to do this with with your toe. And then there's the last one that's just like, ah, just max it out all the time, whatever it may be. You know, you're not really learning anything. You're just like, okay, follow the tutorial that setting goes to number two, this setting goes to number three, whatever it may be. So it's definitely an education issue where there's really no, no like go-to resource. The go-to resource is YouTube and that's an infinite library of people who don't really give solid sound worthy advice. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube's a funny one. I, I remember a little while ago, I kind of got into a back and forth with this guy and uh, on Facebook, which was, kind of stupid of me really <laughs> um try not to argue on the internet too much but sometimes it happens and this guy had posted this video on the best fanatec dd1 settings for iRacing and that, that was his youtube video the best settings for that's iRacing. because that literally is what people type in youtube search they go yeah. the best settings dd1 iRacing and then he'll yeah. get a million hits and then everyone will social proof will tell everyone when they see how many people have watched that video social proof will make people believe that's the de facto that's standard the best. yeah and and this guy you know not to take his hiring into account when i looked into it it was like 1500 hiring which is a red flag straight away for me um especially if you've done quite a few races 
but then I looked to the settings he was recommending, and it was like max out the dampening, and then you turn oh. this up and turn this down, and it was because you can't feel the low forces now. Turn this up, and, and it was it was like the minimum force was like jacked right up hmm. because obviously you dampened it so much you couldn't feel anything. Right. Um, and, and he was like, these are the best settings. I was like, those are awful, awful settings. settings. Like, they, those are just terrible. Like they, <laughs> there is, there is no reason why you would do that. Like, I've been really lucky that, that for my, I, I run a Fanatec DD one. I know the SimCube's better. You know, I'm sure people will talk about it, but I'm in I know the same the boat. Better. I have the DD one and I, yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Yep. I, I really like my DD1. Um, I, and I've been really lucky that a really good team a long time ago before Brad Me Sports um, gave me some settings that they use on, on their sims. And um, they're really good settings. They, they're really nice. I really like my DD1. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're really nice settings. And even the ones you get from Fanatec's forums for the DD1, they're really, really nice. Um, yeah. You, you should just you, run those. You open Fanalab and it says... You click on the little button that's recommended settings. It takes you to their forum. You duplicate it. But I th again, I, I'm going to agree with you. Education issue because that's a good starting point. That's like, okay, this is a good baseline. But based on your driving style, you kind of, you may need to adjust it based on even, even just us as human beings and how our muscles feel things different than another person's do. Those settings might not give you the feedback you need when you have wheel spin or when something's going wrong. So you have to adjust it so that you recognize the feedback and what you're trying to learn. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you on that. I, I just think, you know, like, like, like you say about YouTube, that there is a lot of incorrect information out there from people that will, you know, tell you this is the best setup or this is the best this stuff to use, you know, like hardware recommendations. Mm -hmm. you, know, you see people recommend Thrustmaster TLCMs all the time. I never recommend those pedals. I, I'm not a big fan of Thrustmaster TLCMs. Um, but you know, there are people that run them and if you do use them, there are still some really fast guys that use Thrustmaster TLCMs. Yeah. There's, so there's aliens anything, as know. we call them on the Logitech G25 still. Yeah. There are some <laughs> insane guys on Logitech stuff, which is baffling to me. I, I can't, I, I don't get it, but you know, they've obviously learned something. Yeah. Um, and to those guys, you know, fair enough. But if you're making a recommendation on, on what you should buy, there's probably not the best there there is better stuff out there but there's just not there's not enough education to explain that kind of stuff and one of the things you know saying that i spoke to the guy from bmw about sim racing we were talking about the new bmw lmdh to just come to our racing it's a really cool car if anyone hasn't tried it go try it it's incredible um get used to the brakes though because you lock up you're going to spin end up in a wall <laughs> um but it's a really cool car and we were discussing multi-class racing and a big thing for me is there are a load of videos out there that explain to you, you know, the basics of going into an apex and stuff like that. Multi-class racing, especially on iRacing, I, I don't know what it's like on other sims like R Factor and stuff. I don't really play them too much. Um, obviously, I watch some Le Mans Virtual and stuff. Brad Me Sports is involved in Le Mans Virtual. So I watch all the LMBS stuff. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit more careful in, in LMBS. Obviously, there's it's very strict in LMBS, so they have to be very careful and if you get into a crash then you get put in the bin and um yeah but on our racing and officials and events and stuff multi-class racing is carnage and a lot of people don't want to do it because there are so many crashes yeah but a lot of those crashes happen for really silly reasons and there's no education out there really on on what you should do in certain situations so i was talking to this guy um from bmw about about this 
and about why is there not content and information out there on what to do and what not to do if you're in a gt3 how do you get past how do you how do you allow someone to pass because you know that lmp lmdh or lmp1 or lmp2 they need to get past you there's no if they sit behind you three corners they've lost a second and you know to you it might be well they they messed up my line but they need to get through so how do we create education to kind of simplify that and one of the danger zones for me is i'm like turn five at daytona so you come through that left kink and immediately into that that horseshoe corner Uh um lmp1 or lmp2 lmdh whichever We'll be following a gt3 the gt3 will come through move into the outside after the kink and then slowly track out to the middle of the track that's a real danger zone for a gt3 because an, a prototype can see just enough space on the inside just enough space on the outside <laughs> but the reality is there's not enough space for either and what happens is the LM, uh, the prototype will shove it up the inside hunt the gt3 and fire them into all at 200 mile an hour whatever speed they're going um then the GT3 is upset because he's he's out of the race. His race is over. The prototype's upset because he's got damage. Mm-hmm. But nobody learns anything from it, and nobody understands why that crash happened. And the reality is that crash happened because, one, you've got a really eager prototype driver, and two, you've got a GT3 driver that's kind of put themselves into a death zone. Um, yeah, not, you know, not on the, purpose. They're trying to do the right thing. They just have no idea what that right thing actually is. So they're just like, okay... I'll allow room on both sides of me and they can pick their, pick their poison, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it, you know, there's not enough understanding of, of how it works from the other side. You know, into that corner, for example, you should either, if you're in a GT3, stay to the right or move across to the left. Pick one side. Mm-hmm. And that's like for most things in racing, pick, pick your line, pick your side. Like just that's it. Like, and if you do that, most things don't go wrong. There's a couple of obviously areas where that doesn't work so much, but but it, it's fairly fairly easy rule to follow is that if you stick to a line, normally things will happen. But I've seen people and try and anticipate what the prototype behind them is going to do. Mm, yeah, that's, that's always going to create a mess. That's never going to work. But there's never education on on what to do and how to react and stuff like that. And we had this really good conversation. It's probably about half an hour about this topic and about, okay, what kind of how could you create content would you create per track of like these are the death zones like these are the corners where if you don't if you do this you may die it won't be your fault necessarily but you're but creating the situation that exactly causes the the issue right yeah um I, and you know going back to the education thing is that the that is another area I think we need to have a lot more education on. And and I do think that, that some of the, you know, either pro teams or real world manufacturers like BMW should be looking into and should be investing in because to me well, that will change sim racing. You're right because, you know, the good luck, have fun, easy to turn one, all that stuff. The don't punt people, don't, don't dive bomb people. Everyone knows what those terms mean in the end after a couple of searches on the internet or watching a couple of races, right? But we need a bigger level of education. So you were at Sim Racing Expo. There was a bunch of different software providers out there, but they were all based on braking, turning. They were the telemetry data type stuff. Telemetry data doesn't really serve that much of a benefit for your time, especially when you're like, okay, I want to take the fastest racer and I want to take mine and compare the telemetry. 
you don't know all the little ins and outs of, of what that racer is doing that actually got that number one time where their racecraft is correct there. It's just, it's a bigger story that needs to be told there. So if we were to just have some kind of thing that was a, a nice educational platform for sim racers, that would make all sim racing, well, it would make everyone faster. It would make everyone cleaner. It would make all the races more enjoyable. It would just overall be a great addition to sim racing. So switching gears a little bit, let's take real world motorsport. You're not going to go on the track without taking racecraft classes. You're not going to go out on the track without learning about your car more. You're not going to, you're not just going to get in the driver's seat and be like, okay, well, I'll figure it out while I'm out there. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. That is, um, I mean, I mean, there is stories of people just accidentally driving their road car onto a racetrack by accident. I think that was what someone at Interlagos accidentally drove onto the racetrack. Really? Um, so it does happen. Yeah, there, there's a video of someone driving. They managed to get onto the track and they're driving up backwards up the um, up the pit lane exit. And I think it's a radical just comes flying around, around the corner um, on the pit lane exit. And there's just like a, a Nissan Juke or a Nissan Qashqai just facing them just on the pit lane. And they're just like, what do I do? I, I, so it does happen. But, That's insane. But yeah, in general, you are right. It, it, it doesn't you have to go through so much education licenses just to be able to get onto a racetrack to prove that you can do everything right on track and if you do get into a silly incident you'll get punished pretty hard yeah I mean, i've had friends telling stories about how they've been like just screamed at by race stewards for risking people's lives Mm -hmm. racetrack because you are like if you do something really dumb you're risking someone's life yeah in sim um, racing we we have a little bit of leeway obviously because you know we're in the virtual world and i even joke sometimes when i'm playing dirt rally where i'll know that i just took the corner terribly and i'll just like bounce off a barrier bounce off a rock and be like well, virtual world we're good <laughs> whatever but yeah in, yep. in the real world you 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 would potentially kill someone now, I'm not suggesting by any means that, you know, we need to go through some kind of licensing system for sim racing or you can't race or whatever. Not at all. Not at all. I just wish there was some kind of resource out there where someone who really does want to take sim racing serious, there's like a way for you to go learn all of these things that ultimately will help you in the end. Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, uh, eventually uh, there will be someone that will create some really good content on that side of things. Um, you know, and that, that's just looking from the racecraft perspective. If you happen to see a, know, a GF logo with this style of system, uh, just mark this moment in time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I'm claiming royalties now, so yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but if you did, then then incredible, because it will benefit sim racing. And for me, that's the most important thing. I want to watch good racing. I want to be involved in good races. And so, if there's there's more education out there for people to understand, like if you do this, this you know, when you're looking at the hard and fast rule of racing, it might not necessarily be their fault or your fault, but it, it's still a crash that's happened. It didn't need to. Right. right? And there's, there's a lot of that, that that needs to be discussed in sim racing. The amount of times I've seen, and this is the one that really bugs me, and, and I guess it, maybe it shouldn't annoy me that much. Maybe I shouldn't get so passionate about sim racing crashes. <laughs> but um, the ones where someone dive bombs someone else into a hairpin, and the guy goes, well, it was my line. We're going to a crash. And it's like the car that was getting attacked, so the defender, 
takes turns in anyway, knowing they're going to get T-boned. Now, well, you wrecked me out. It was my line. So, well, but your race is over. Yeah. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. They might get a penalty. Your race is done. Like, your day is done. Like, Gow, you Rick. That's you. That's you done. Why? It makes no sense to me. Um, And there's almost like this... I have the moral high ground that that it's my line. I did the right things according to the steadfast rules of racing. Right. That it wasn't his line, and they end up in this horrific pileup. But they're morally victorious if in you get some what I mean. way. Yeah, I know what you're talking. Actually, yeah. I always like to be the fly on the wall, if you will, in those Reddit posts where someone's like, "Oh, who's at fault?" And you're like, "Okay, let's uh, let's watch this video." And then you watch it and you formulate your own opinion. You're like, hmm, but the comment section's where the real entertainment starts. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's always back and forth. Some people think one way, some people think the other way. Typically, it's most people disagree with the person that posted it mm-hmm. <laughs> almost all the time. They're like, yeah. oh, it's your fault. And they're like, wait, but I was defending. And they're like, and then they'll explain it. And then the, it just ensues where it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for a long time. I always enjoy those those Reddit threads in there because, you know, you get to – it's almost like you get to learn the psychology of, of both sides of it in a way so that, you, like, later on – like, I'm educating myself so that if I'm in that situation, I can be like, wait, make the different decision than that guy did. Yeah, there's a, I think that's a really good education source is looking at those whose fault is it videos and reading the comments because, I mean, there is some balmy stuff in there. You, you will get a comment that – just blames the guy for posting because how dare they post a video of a crash and it must be their fault right. because they posted. But but most stuff is like, even if they're taking the piss, it's normally fairly fairly good information. Um, I like I've had this discussion with a few people that like iRacing's protest system, for example. I don't necessarily like it because I think it should always be third party because iRacing control it. I iRacing gets paid by members they don't want to get rid of members or ban them right. so they're always going to be more lenient and stuff and a lot of people disagree with the protest system because it doesn't necessarily work so for me i really like the idea of why not have a community-based protest system where if someone raises a protest they post a video in the forums where you can vote and discuss it there's no names involved. You don't get to see any names. There's no liveries involved. It's yeah, all so it's not like, hey, hey, guys, go vote for me so I win this protest yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, it, it's it's just red and blue. And you pick which car you think is at fault and why. You have it on either a drop down or, or you know, you can include some comments and stuff like or, that. Uh, and you, we talked about uh, in the Christmas episode with the Gridfinder team, swipe left and swipe right stewarding system is what, <laughs> what, we, yeah, what we teased. Yeah, but why... But why not? Why why not? That as an idea because, like, I I'm a big fan, and you know, I'm sure we'll discuss this in a little bit about Brabham, is when it comes to the team, I, I'm a big fan of everybody coming together as a community. Although I might technically be running the team on the iRacing side, <laughs> I'm I'm not the smartest person. I'm an idiot, like ninety nine percent of the time. Like I, I'm dumb. Um, you know, there's no two ways about it. Um. So, you know, I might think I have the right ideas, but I don't necessarily always have the right ideas. So the way I see it is if we get a lot of people together, get all their ideas and all their thoughts, we'll come up with a much better thought process mm-hmm. than one person, even if they're really intelligent. Um, and I think, why not? That was stewarding because it could be an education process because not only will you get, and you will get some of the real world guys that really understand stewarding. You, I know a few ADAC marshals that get involved and yeah. have give their thoughts on crashes. 
Um, and you will also get those people that don't understand that get to watch these things and start to learn yeah, new stuff. That's why I like that kind of Reddit post so much is because not because I really care about the outcome, but I care about the conversation so that I understand why someone did wrong, even if I, let's say, picked the wrong one as the at-fault driver. I just want to I want to understand sim racing more. And that comes back to that education piece that we've been talking about. Just the more you know in sim racing, obviously, the faster you could potentially be and the safer and the more enjoyment you'll get because everyone hates to crash out on turn one. Everyone hates it. I think we can universally say that's the worst thing about sim racing is crashing out on what it doesn't even have to be turn one. It can be any turn throughout the entire race. You're raced in endurance race for four hours and then boom, your race is over and you're like, well, that was a pointless four hours of my life. That sucks. Yeah. So the more education we can get, the, the better we can be. Now, now you did mention that we want to go over Brabham a little bit. So let's switch gears a little because, because we are, <clears throat> we are running close on time here. So why don't you explain a little bit about, about your esports stuff? So yeah, Brabham esports. Um, it's that's that's a crazy one so the brabham esports stuff is is for me is 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 mental um i got into sim racing because i wanted to have some fun and and burn up some free time and i'd been in a few teams and some of them really good some of them less good should we say <laughs> and um i was pretty competitive back when i used to race a lot um predominantly in like the lmp2 and i racing I, I was pretty good when i put my time in put some practice in and um we, me and a few friends had set up a team called Sim3D Sport, referencing back to the brand, mm-hmm. and um, it was going pretty well. We were doing okay. Um, you know, Daytona, we, we won Daytona 24 in split three in the main time slot. See, it's not split one, but split three is still pretty good. There's some really good competition in there. And um, we'd finished like split two, Bartha second, and we were doing really well. And um, I knew, um, so Mike Yao, um, for anybody that doesn't know him, is um basically owns Zancho. He also runs a company called Simply Race in Milton Keynes. Um, it is a simulator venue um, with 15 sims. You go there racing on R Factor 2. Um, they do occasionally do special events. So we had the sim racing event there run by RaceBot and VCO there a couple of months ago. Um, that was really cool. That was run on on our racing. And um, so he he owns that and is obviously also involved in Zancho, which is kind of like a group that runs the Rocket Sim Sport and the Brabham Esports brand. Uh-huh. And um, if we he also he does a lot of commentary and broadcasting because he's got his finger in everything. Um, uh, Sim Sport is actively broadcasting this right now. I yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, so hi Mike. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so you know he he's involved with quite a lot of things, and I've known Mike for quite a while because I got started sim racing at Simply Race years ago before I even started playing Forza. I used to go to Simply Race with a few friends and we'd prat around, um, and that to me was it was awesome. Fortunately, I fell out with some people there and was young and dumb and said some things I probably shouldn't have said. Hey, that happens. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I was younger and stupider, more stupid than I am now, um, <laughs> and. Um, so I was doing an Australian league um, called Apex Hunters United, which is um, is run by Shane Vangis, but and a few of his friends like Ben Cornett, Nick Foster. So some really cool real world guys. Had some really cool prizes there. It was a really good league. It meant I had to get up at three in the morning to race. Holy smokes. Wow. I, 
but it was worth it because yeah. the competition was good and the racing was really good. The stewarding was cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they do another season because really good league. Um, there is a clip out there um, of Hockenheim, the hairpin into the stadium section. Well, just into the stadium section. SVG on the last lap for the win overtakes someone around the outside there. This is still one of my Ooh. favorite moments. Um, I remember watching that live thing. That was cool. But um, so I was racing in that league and Mike happened to be broadcasting it. And um, I'd obviously known Mike, but we hadn't really talked much about sim racing. He didn't know what I was doing. And um, it was a race at Spa and I basically pulled away from the field in the LMP2. Then an incident happened and I came back to sixth and pulled my way back through the field. And, you know, it was really awesome watching it. I really enjoyed that race. It, it didn't end very well. My teammate, when he got into the car, unfortunately had an incident. But my part was really good. <laughs> it was go. quality. And um, <clears throat> I got a phone call the next day from Mike basically saying, you know, th th there's, I didn't know you were that good. Um, that's a, that's a nice cool, phone call to get. Yeah, it was always nice. And um, then the conversation of, of Brabham sort of came about initially. And then um, I think it was just before Majors 24, I uh, got into a chat with with Mike and David Brabham. Um, if anyone doesn't know David Brabham, he is the son of legendary driver Sir Jack Brabham. Um, if you don't know who Sir Jack Brabham is, you do. Do you no. even follow <laughs> racing? <laughs> um, you, you know the F1 legend, absolute hero, um, and David as well is a legend of sports car racing. I mean, he's won Le Mans, Spa, Sebring road atlanta like all the big endurance events he's won at some point or another like i think he's won them on 24 like four or five times wow okay yeah in like every class as well which oh. is just a mental driver and a really good guy and um i got into a chat with him and i'll be honest at the time when when mike said about would you like to have a discussion about becoming brabham esports and your team transferring over to becoming brabham esports um i had no idea i like obviously i knew who brabham were but i didn't know it was the same brand okay like for me i grew up like my favorite f1 car is that um the brabham fan car um I, it's such a cool car but i didn't associate there was the same brand and like five minutes before i went into this meeting with david brabham and mike i'm like talking to the guys i'm like i'm gonna have this conversation i'm gonna see where it goes and then we'll have a chat about what we do next and i was like i'm gonna have a chat with mike and this guy david brabham and they're like, what, the David Brabham? And I was like, you're like, wait, who's that? You're like, wait, I, I probably <laughs> should know that answer. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, it's son of Jack Brabham. Um, that's the Brabham brand. You know, the old F1 brand? And I was like, oh, no. All so of a sudden, I jump into you got, this. your stress level just went way up. I, 100%. <laughs> I, I was terrified. And um, I jump into this chat and we have this conversation about doing this. And, and we, we trialed for Majors 24. So the plan was that we ran Majors 24 under the Brabham Esports brand um, under their original livery, which wasn't so good. Um, we weren't such a fan. We've changed it now, obviously, to the green and gold, which looks really cool. And um, we were going to trial it under Majors 24. And if Majors went well, then we would then go into a conversation about rebranding and becoming Brabham Esports on iRacing and representing the team there. And um, Majors 24 didn't go well um it went really poorly um we had good pace um unfortunately got involved in a crash and um you know it didn't end up well for us we had some damage that slowed the car right down and we lost tons of time 
And um, after the race, I'm chatting. I had a one-to-one with David going over a debrief of kind of how the race went, which is really nerve-wracking doing a race debrief with a guy that's won pretty much everything in real life. And um, yeah, I, I was does talking your opinion, to, You feel like your opinion doesn't matter at times. You're like, well, oh, whatever you think. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm explaining to him, we had um, coming out of Molsan Corner, so at the end of the, after the two Molsan chicanes, you've got that hard right-hander, Molsan Corner. And um, coming out of there, there was a car off track, drove onto the track and drove into the side of the car um, on just a horrific rejoin. It was awful. I'm not going to mention the team name. They no longer <clears throat> exist. Rejoins. They were quite a prominent team. Sim racing education, rejoins. That's a big 100%. one. <laughs> yeah, big time. Um, and, and it damaged the rear of the car. And it didn't damage it a lot, but it cost a few seconds and it made it so the car didn't rotate coming into corners. Okay. Especially left-handers, you just had no rotation. So you just understeer everywhere. And um, I said to David, I was like, you know, it made it really difficult with this damage coming into a first, especially the first Molsan chicane. The left-hander there just couldn't get the rotation. And in that corner, you need some rotation. Mm-hmm. We're on a Zoom call at the time and he looks at the camera and just goes, I know, Calvin, I've driven there once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> I just like you know when you, you just shrunk. just realize just, just yeah just oh no it was so painful um and he said it as a joke and we laughed about it and it, it was funny and, and but in that moment I was just like this guy is always going to be cooler than me um <laughs> but it was awesome and we had a really good chat and and after that we spoke about you know becoming Brabham Esports and and over the next few months we we then transitions from Sim 3D Sport into Brabham Esports and right. became the Brabham Esports team um which has been a really crazy journey obviously there's the RF2 team um which is competing in Le Mans Virtual then we've got the ACC side that's competing in competitions like SRO and the LFM X World Cup um Flex Dream and such um so there's a lot going on around the team I look after the iRacing side predominantly. I do okay. help out with managing on the other side of the team. 99% of what I do is on iRacing because it's the sim I know. And yeah. the guys that I've, you know, when we came into the team, it was on iRacing. And um, so it's been a really crazy journey. I've got, you know, we went to Sim Expo with David Brabham, which was incredible. You know, he takes us all out for dinner and looking after us all and stuff like that. It was really nice. cool. And, you know, for me, it's it's been an incredible journey going from i just want to go racing and have fun with my friends to we've transitioned into you know fairly competitive team you You know know, we finished sim racing is amazing like that so whether it's george morgan who he commentates for f1 but he started in sim racing just with his buddies and he was the slowest racer so he volunteered to do the commentary or you know tom who it's tom with alpine by the way who got to drive an f1 car because of sim racing you know there's now, some of those are the outliers, of course. I mean, it's not like I'm going to get to go drive an F1 car at any point in my life, being just a, a the average sim racer here in, in Ohio in the United States. But I guess what I'm trying to say is the opportunities in sim racing are so huge right now just because it's growing at such a... It's slowed down a little bit after COVID because, you know, people can go outside and stuff, so they're going to do that and they can actually go to races and they're going to do that. But there's there's so much more room for us to grow. So you... As an esports team owner, how would you give tips or hints to our listeners and viewers on maybe how to get into an esports team? Because, you know, anyone who probably has picked up a, a wheel and 
gets a DD1 or something on the higher side, you know, they they probably have a little bit of, I wonder if I can do this on an esports team at some point. How would you recommend they progress their careers other than sim racing education, which we already talked about in detail? How would you suggest that they get themselves up to a point where they can like send you a little demo reel or something like that and maybe even be considered for an amateur team? Um, so first things first, if you think that you're going to make millions of pounds as a sim racing driver, it's, it's just on an education perspective, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, there is, there's, I've been on the sim 3d side, I've been contacted by a few people saying, will you sponsor me on my sim racing adventure to become a pro? <laughs> then you'll make money back on me being a pro. And yeah, that's not how this works. It just, that's there's, there's literally like, any of there's two works. or three people out there that are making that kind of money, yeah. um, anywhere near that kind of money. Um, you know, there, there's some money to be made as as a professional sim racer, but it's it's not that great for yeah. anybody but five or ten people. Um, so first of all, that um, the the big one for me is you know I, I guess I I kind of run the team slightly differently to to other the other teams maybe. For me, I, I want to see people racing consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big one. Stay out of incidents. How clean are they? You know, it's getting involved in the conversation. If you want to get to a team, contact them. Have a chat with them. You know, if you just, I guess it's a rule for life. And have a conversation. So there's something that also happens in content creation and streaming where someone tries to get in touch with a brand, right? And they they don't really have too much to offer at that point. So it's all a one-sided conversation and a one-sided benefit. So you kind of have to have a way. So if they're going to come to you, don't come to you with like sponsor me now so that later on you make millions because that's come on now. <laughs> <It> never happens. <laughs> come with something um, something of value that you can you can assist the team with, right? Yeah. I and you know, even if you know you are at a stage where, you know, you haven't really got anything to offer to the team, get your name out there. Mm-hmm. You know, same when you go for a job. Sometimes you're not always gonna get a job straight away. But being there and occasionally touching base, like we've got a guy right now that we've been talking to that that just keeps in touch. He just says, look, this is what I'm doing right now. What, what do you think I should be doing? I, I really want to get into the team. I know I'm not ready yet, but see, that's a way different conversation than the sponsor me now so that when I become a pro, you you start making yeah. money on me. That's way different. That's just casually having a conversation as another person who loves sim racing. It's way different. Yeah, and it's it's a much better conversation, and it's something we can build off. You know, Brabham Esports, we don't have a lot of the big sponsorship that some of the massive teams have. You know, teams like Redline and Williams, Coanda, they have massive sponsorships. They can pay drivers a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Brabham Esports, we don't have a huge budget at the moment. Um, it's building as a team. It's building as a brand. We, you know, we're getting a lot of interest from sponsors, and we're currently working on some stuff in the background. Sure. But we don't have that huge budget. So for me, it's like we're we're not gonna get a Josh Rogers, a Max Baneke. Like I know he's just left Redline, but he's not joining Brad Esports. I'm just like you know, um, <laughs> you know the, the, we don't have that budget to get those pro guys in. So for for us, the the way I look at things is I'm looking for people that have potential to get to that next level. Yeah. So most of the people that have joined the team have come in from a low level. So if you take one of the guys, a couple of people will know him. I'm sure is Hunter McDaniel. Or James Armstrong, both really strong guys. I mean, James Armstrong at VCO Infinity in the last race in the LMD8 before he got killed was P3 in VCO Infinity. 
and he top fived in I think two of the races. A really strong driver. You've got Hunter who jumped in the LMDH with no practice at Rotolander and finished tenth. <laughs> just you know, they, so they're really strong drivers. But when they joined the team, they weren't that strong. Yeah. So I I want to look for the guys that have potential to become something and can show something. Because just going up to someone and saying, well, I've been racing for six months. I think in a year I could be really good. Well, it doesn't really show anything. The big thing for me is is a willingness to learn and a willingness to improve. Like there's so many people out there that don't want to take any kind of recommendations on right. what they should be doing, what they should be trying. They're too stubborn. People like that are impossible to work with. And that, I guess, goes even up to, you know, ridiculous levels. Um, I think you nailed you something see... there. You you mentioned being impossible to work with. Like mm -hmm. the easiest way is just be a nice person, be someone who actually cares about the team more than maybe even themselves in, in the situation when they're trying to get onto a team. And mm -hmm. I mean, sim racing, so I, I want to say it's so small right now, but it's, it's massive and it's growing, but it realistically is kind of, it's like toddler years if we were to compare it to like a child. And then uh, yeah. I think there's yeah. a lot of room for us to move at this point. Yeah, there's there's tons of there's tons of room for things to change and for people to improve and progress and the ways that people learn <clears> and stuff like that. Obviously, at the moment, especially on our racing, we have VRS, which is you know really good telemetry information and stuff, and you can use Motec for a lot of other sims and stuff. So there's there's a lot of information out there. But in Brabham, we we do a lot of driver coaching, so we we do a lot of coaching with the drivers like twice a week. That education. We get a group together. Yeah. Which is all about learning for the next week or learning for the next big special event so for obviously we're now starting to prep for daytona 24 in a couple of weeks and it'll all be not just setup development but driver lines coaching how can you get better at this how can you you know how can you improve on that side so i'm looking for people that can improve on that side that, that can that can get better there that, yeah. that are willing to spend time in those and people like hunter and james you know we've got um i'm just going to give a quick shout out to daniel handover who joined the team as someone that was rough you know there, there was you know as a driver he was kind of in the bin um <laughs> i rating was around 4k but just constantly having bad results and he's about to hit 6k which you know it, it's not a pro level but it's still 6K. That's, that's, that's like a massive improvement over a short period of time. Yeah. Because he's been there every day racing. He's been there every day learning from the guys, talking to the guys, jumping into coaching sessions and paying attention. And that's what, to me, anyone that's good is wanting to do is they're not just jumping on and racing every day. They're trying to understand what they're, they're doing wrong and they could improve on. Right. And I, I want to talk to and I want to have conversations with people like that. So if I get someone who will contact me on Brad Esports and say, I want to join the team. I want to get better at what I'm doing. I'm currently here. This is what I want to do. Like, mm. as soon as I hear that, like, this is where I want to be. How can I get there? Then, like, we can have a conversation. A little bit we more attention is paid at that moment. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because there's something there. There's, you know, I think, don't get me wrong. There's not a massive load of people that can be really good in sim racing. Same as obviously there's only a few people that can be really good in cars. Yeah. But it's much easier to find those people if they've got a lot of drive. Um, there's From martial arts, there was a, a statement that that I remember very, very well, which is that um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm, okay. And yeah. there are a lot of people I know 
that aren't talented drivers. They're not talented sim racers. God damn, they put in 10 times the work <laughs> than anybody else will, and they'll get the results because they put the hard work in. I, and, you know, I, I'd, I'd happily work with some of that. There might not be a 10K driver tomorrow, but they'll work their ass off until they get there. And and that, to me, is is worth a lot more than, you know, someone just contacting me going, oh, I've got 8K ring. Let me join the team. Right. I, it's just, what are you offering? <laughs> that's that's all you have. Uh, well, thanks. Like, I, I, know, I know some 8K guys that probably shouldn't be 8K. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there are guys out there. So... It's, I want to see a lot of people like that. I mean, if you speak to David Brabham, David Brabham's really, his big thing is on the performance side and the mental performance side of racing. Um, it's another thing in sim racing that, again, education's not really there, is the mental performance side of driving. Um, we never really discuss it as a group. How many times have you entered a race and you're sat there in quali and you're so tense, your shoulders are right up here, you're super stressed, you're really wound up you're really tense your race goes bad because you come into turn one you're super tense and you stand on the yeah, brakes and you physically you were out. you were already programmed to do terrible exactly yep um and you know a big thing for for david is is like i said the mental performance side so one of the things we do at brabham a lot is, is looking at that mental performance as a driver of okay you've had some bad races we're watching you and we're listening to what you're saying Let's sit down and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's let's try to understand why you're feeling like that. And there's, you know, there's sometimes we'll do it as a group and we'll have a, a group chat as a team and it'll be a, an honest conversation. It's not a it's not a conversation to punish someone or anything at all. So I don't believe in that way of talking to people. It, it's a how can we help you, especially with that? Because let's face it, half the time you're jumping on your rig after you've been working all day. Mm -hmm. you're tired you're stressed out you know the missus might be screaming in your ear about you're racing too much you know your parents might be screaming at you about not doing your schoolwork enough and you've got all these stresses firstly do your schoolwork over sim racing right first of all. <laughs> let's um, cover that first right <laughs> <laughs> but you know you've got all these stresses just before you jump into the sim race sim rig that's before the pressure of sim racing itself right because if you're a competitive guy you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself so you know and even people that just jump on every night still get really super stressed. And there's not really any conversations there about what you can do in those situations. I guess maybe, you know, and I'm not going to go on this tangent, but there is the conversation about men not talking. Um, I, and, you know, there's sometimes, especially in sim racing, and I guess in gaming in general, those conversations need to happen. Uh, and we, we need to discuss about how we can settle those things. I've had people and several members of the team David, one of the things, because he is so involved with the team, will jump into a chat one-to-one -one with some of the drivers to understand where their head's at. You know, right. where are you super stressed? Is it, is it at the start or end of quality? Is it during the race? Where is it? What's going through your head at the time? And trying to understand what makes people tick to try and help them improve their performance. Because 99% of what we do is is mental, um, without know, a shadow of a doubt. I think I think a lot of it comes down to gaming in general is suffering from the everyone's taking everything so seriously now. And I think a lot of it has to do with content creation because, you know, the the crazy good players, the amazing ones get all the attention, right? So now everyone's trying to be that amazing player, that amazing streamer, that amazing YouTuber, whatever it may be. And then adding that in addition to the want to win, get first place, get podium, do well in your races, it all compounds together to ultimately almost make it so that 
at times gaming is not fun anymore. Mm. And let's be honest, gaming is supposed to be fun first. Yeah, if, if it becomes a job and you're a part of an esports team, that's when you can start worrying about the fact that it's competitive. But up until then, enjoy yourself a little bit. Have some fun. <laughs> Yeah, even at a pro level, you, you need to be having some fun. I think that ultimately, regardless of what you're getting paid, and it's the same going for work life, I guess. Yeah, unless you're getting paid silly amounts of money, if the money's not worth it and you're not enjoying yourself, you're going to look for something else where you're going to oh, lose yeah. interest. And the moment you lose interest, you're no good to the team, you're no good to the employer you've got because you're just there to collect a paycheck. Right. Um. And, and you know, the, the the sim racing, you need to find ways to keep it fun. You you need to find ways to enjoy it as you know, a, as a hobby. If if you spend ten grand just to feel like it's a second job, well, you you're not evaluate your hobby. that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's not fun. So so you know, that's one of the really cool things within Brabham is that we do discuss a lot of the mental performance side of things. Um, and, and it is trying to keep it fun. So practice sessions. Sometimes they'll get a bit more serious. Sometimes they'll just be fun yeah. because people need to let loose. You know, when we're in officials, we're normally in a big group. There's normally a group of people that are sat in Discord all the time. And we're normally having a laugh while we're racing. Um, because if you don't, it's not a hobby anymore. It's a job. And it, they, that's and not healthy for anyone. In many cases, especially for the hobbyist, a, a job that's not paying you anything. It's taking all of your yeah, money. That's what it's doing. Yeah. From you, I mean, right. when you buy the SimiCube active pedals, that's that's yeah, yeah, that's a remortgage on a house, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's for me. Uh, you know, going back to the education things, obviously about Brabham and stuff like that is why don't we talk more about the mental performance and the the mental health aspect side of racing and gaming in general? Um, I know it's it's something that that you know obviously we do a lot and we talk a lot and there are people out there that that i know are really really good but their mental perspective just almost ends their race early mm, okay um <clears throat> I, and you know it's another conversation that 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 we as sim racers could could have and could look into um to improving sim racing just by having conversations about the mental perspective I agree with you 100%. Um, Calvin, I, I absolutely know this is probably the worst spot to end the conversation on, but we are running a little long now. So is there anything that you want the viewers, listeners, or anyone to follow you on or know that's coming up for your esports team or even Sim3D? Anything out there you want to share? Um, so a big thing on Sim3D, I'm working on a couple of new products right now. Um, if you want to see what I'm selling currently, it's www.sim-3d.co.uk. Um, most of my stuff is pedal vibration kits, wind sim kits, sim racing accessories, so power supply brackets, LED flag boxes, eyebrows and such. Um, I am working on some new dashboards um, <clears throat> that will have LEDs enclosed. Um, Price-wise, I'm trying to get them to be a budget-conscious option nice. um, versus some of the more expensive stuff on the on the market other than that most of my stuff is just trying to get my lead time down i have a very long lead time due to how popular my stuff is yeah. um i'm trying to work on that it's 99 percent of my day is just catching up my backlog um in terms of brabham um on the brabham esports side if you want to find us it's um brabham esports on instagram um there is also the brabham official instagram page as well if you want to follow more of the wider brabham group um we do also have a twitch channel which is brabham esports again um, we do stream on there, so we have a couple of people that stream some of the drivers doing different things, which is pretty cool. Um, great to find out, including Jake Cheryl. Um, some people may have seen him on Pablo's stream recently, or you may watch um, 
Jake himself. Um, in terms of the team, the big stuff we've got coming up. So we've obviously got um, the final round of Le Mans Virtual, which is going to be the Le Mans 24 in a couple of weeks' time. Um, that's going to be a really big race. Um, and then in terms of the iRacing side, the big one for us is Daytona 24 coming up. Yeah. Um, that That's going to be incredible. Um, the other thing as well, the last thing I want to mention would be World GT. Um, that's another big championship. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a big championship on iRacing run by Pure Sims. Um, which is quite a well-known team, quite a well-known brand over here in the UK, run mm-hmm. by Ash Sutton, um, who is former um, British Touring Car Champion. Um, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, so I think the first round of that's the 23rd. Um, so it's going to be very entertaining, that GT racing. Um, we've got two teams of three entered in that, so it should be very, very cool. Um, other than that, yeah, <clears throat> just look us up, follow us. If you want to find anything more about Brad Me Sports, by all means, feel free to get in touch. I will happily have a conversation with anyone about Brad Me Sports. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, Calvin. Uh, This was an amazing conversation. We probably could have gone for two more (laughs) hours easily on this one. But, you know, that's just kind of where sim racing goes. When you you get to talk to other people who are passionate about it, it's a very easy and smooth conversation. So thank you for joining us. And uh, maybe we can get you on again and go even more in depth about that mental mental health and sim racing and gaming and stuff like that next time. But uh, that's going to do it for us, and we appreciate you all being here. If you didn't catch the entire episode on YouTube, we will be releasing to podcast services all the popular ones in about a week's time next Sunday. But other than that, we'd like to thank Track Racer for sponsoring us in 2022, and it seems like going on in 2023. This should be a big year for Sim Sunday, so keep an eye out there on the schedule. We have some big names coming up. Other than that, thank you. Search for GridFinder on all the social medias and you'll find us and be able to follow us on there. See you next time. Thanks. Hey, this is Chris from GridFinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. Head on over to GridFinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join Sim Racing Leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on GridFinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. If you're looking to upgrade your sim rig, visit the episode sponsor TrackRacer at TrackRacer.com. Thanks for being here.